We are so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive after betrayal, trauma, or addiction. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. Now, why am I an expert? Because I've treated betrayal, trauma, and addiction for over a decade. I want to invite you guys over to our premium site where you get in-depth content and access to us. We answer questions there for you and you get interaction with like-minded people. To find that site, go ahead and click details and scroll to the bottom, you'll see the link to our Patreon site. Hello, hello. All right, this one is called An Excellent Source of Knowledge. This is a iTunes review from one of you loyal listeners. So thank you, thank you. He says, I have been in actual recovery from sex addiction for about three months and found this podcast just a few weeks ago. I have been able to identify with your stories and it has allowed me to realize many of my own pitfalls. Although we are still estranged, I am hopeful that she can become the woman of God that she always wanted to be despite my actions. I am becoming the man I always imagined, and I can see a path of redemption individually and in our relationship. This podcast is is a significant part of that hope, so thank you so much. That's awesome. Keep going, bro. Yeah. Keep going. Working hard. It's rad. Okay, so what if I told you guys that a lot of what you know about love is jacked a bunch of rubbish rubbish yeah (laughs) there's just misconceptions misnomers well and we look at it yeah because look at the movies i grew up watching all these you know fairy tale stories that's what love is right so so we we believe love is a fairy tale um that you're gonna Go through something hard and then end up in a castle on a hill with the prince and everything's <laughs> great, right? Um, the other thing that I was taught when I was growing up, um, just by the culture that I lived in, by my parents, was that when, when you get married, um, you, you become one. You, yeah. you, you come together and you become one, right? Um, what did that mean? So what that means is... What how how I interpreted it was was that explained to you below before you're going to share your interpretation of? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I'd go to church and I'd talk to my parents and watch their relationship and uh, live in this culture. And I think what it meant to me was our values needed to be the same. Um, uh, we needed to agree on things. We needed to be in alignment with the way that we raised our children. Um, you know, so so we needed to to compromise and we needed to um, come together on everything in order for us to be happy and, and healthy in our, in our marriage. Um, and, and this sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did you guys, were you guys taught similar things? <laughs> well, I just, I can't help but think of the scripture out of the Bible of cleaving to your wife and leaving your parents behind. I'm obviously a scriptorian because right. I don't know what it <laughs> actually says. Um, but that was something I would have in my head like crazy, not so much Kobe. Okay, yeah. So you cleave unto your spouse and, and then, none other, <laughs> and none other, right? But but the way we interpret that is okay. Now we are one entity. Like and, we're best friends. We do everything together. Yeah. More like enmeshment, which maybe that, that doesn't mean anything to people. They don't. Yeah, but but that's that word enmeshment. You can hear it like just you know you're intertwined. just intertwined in everything in your lives and and so I what I believe and what I I believe the scriptures say and God and whatever I've I've really shifted since 
since I've started doing therapy and working in my own relationship, I believe that becoming one in purpose is a good thing. That that your purpose is toward what God wants you to do. Um, you're becoming one together in that. Um, what I don't believe is that you have to compromise who you are. You have to sacrifice yourself. Um, you have to avoid conflict. You have to comply. You have to um, make sure the other person's happy all the time. Leave your friends behind. Yeah, leave your life behind. Cut off your family. Like all of those things just to keep the peace with the other person. I I did feel this, Brandon. Like I, and maybe that was like the anxious inside of me uh-huh. of thinking, I don't want Kobe to go out with friends or go hang out, like have friends that are happen to be girls because I'm terrified that he'll do something or leave me or right. like them more. Right. So what happens in a relationship where you believe that you have to agree on everything, you can't have other friends, is, is you, you start to just give up your boundaries and who you are. And, and you think that you got to make things together. And it becomes an enmeshed relationship or it comes a codependent relationship where you're you're not actively choosing into um, what you're doing together. You're resentfully choosing into what you're doing together. And it kills love. So if you, let, let me rephrase this. If you can't be you in a relationship, then you're going to have a really hard time loving the other person. So I'm not saying be be a stubborn jerk face who, who can't, sacrifice or see the other person at all. In fact, what I'm saying is if you can be you, then you can actually see the other person and connect to the other person. So is this making sense to you, Kobe? You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, per usual, I am listening and connecting dots and just just remembering basically what you're saying was exactly the opposite the way that I was raised is you're supposed to what so let me let me tell you what that means so um my oh man i'm just thinking back to i I just i only know what i observed with my parents i only know right and so if i was to tell you i'll just tell you this um when i got just before I got married, I was playing junior college football and I got a call from like a, a one double school and they said, Hey, do you want to come and play? And I'm like, Nope, I appreciate the call, but I've got a new game now. I'm getting married. And so I'm giving up my life so that, I can get married. Totally. <laughs> and there you and go. I, on, I didn't know this for how long, like you didn't tell me for years. It was just not even a consideration because it's like, I'm, I'm just like my, thought process was only like, I can't do that. I have to be married. And and I don't know that I could articulate what I was going to do other than what I couldn't do if I was going to be married, as I saw. Uh-huh. And then, um, so w- when I got married, when we got married, I, I was um, going to be a teacher. I wanted to be a, a, a high school principal. And um, we got married in the Nashland in the first semester within six months, actually within months is like, um, I'm not going to be poor. So, so you you're going to change something else. Totally. It was so nice. It was <laughs> rad. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I can't. So I changed my major. I 
studied public relations and interpersonal communications, which really was a natural skill set for me than teaching was. But I just did not have identity. I did. I gave up my love of playing football, and I just didn't have those things. Like I don't know that I. I, I can't look back and think of anything that I was like. I've got to do this because this is part of who I am. Yeah. But, and, and, and in truth, what we do know is this isn't just... So if that's an indication of, of how I was raised, then there's the, the proofs in the pudding kind of a thing. I just didn't... I just didn't ever have anything. And I look, I look back on it, and my dad loved to golf. And he would go golfing whenever he could. Um, and he would go play basketball in the mornings, I think in the wintertime. But my mom hated that my dad went golfing or even worse, that he would want to watch golf on like Saturdays or Sundays. Mm-hmm. She was so pissed. My mom was super, I didn't realize this, my mom was super codependent and was a martyr um, in a very big way. And she had seven kids and she kept <laughs> kids with special needs, but she was she was resentful to everybody so because she was so busy and had too much to do, but she wouldn't slow down. So there's t- there's two sides to this coin, and you're kind of illustrating it with uh, talking about your parents. Is mm-hmm. if I show up as me in in my relationship, then um, I'm grounded. I know who I am. I'm boundaried. Um, then I'm much more likely. In fact, it makes it it possible for me to really respect and empower my wife to show up as her. I want her to be honest with me. I, you know, she wants to watch golf all day long. Then tell me that, and let's talk about that, and let's 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 go there instead of just not watching golf at all because she's trying to please me, and then she's resenting me. Um, so the, it, there's there's a, a paradox to this where when you can when you can be you and focus on being you, then you can really love the other person. So in our day-to-day lives, this plays out. So here's an example. Let's say my wife wants to paint the kitchen pink and I want to paint the kitchen blue. So we come together and I'm adamant. Like my rea- my reality is I want it blue. And Make she's, pink. she's saying, pink. I want it pink, I want it pink. So now we come together and she, a couple of things could happen. She could say, oh, no, blue, that's wonderful. Let's just do it blue. Just because she doesn't know who she is, she doesn't want conflict with me, so she goes along with it. And then every time she sees that blue on the wall, she's mad at me. Okay, not a health, she's, is that love? No. Is that love that she sacrificed to, to let us paint it blue? It's not, not being personally boundaried. No. She, she's not boundaried within herself, so she can't truly love me. But but in order to have personal boundaries, you have to know that, who you are. Yeah, you have to have identity. Right. That's what know pers- it. That's what personal it, right? boundaries are. So when people say I struggle with boundaries, boundaries aren't about let let me give you a thing to tell the other person about what they can and can't do. Boundary. When, when they say I struggle with boundaries, they they're saying I struggle to know who I am. Okay, I have to just share this really quick because you said that one of the girls in my group this week shared how she went through this process of figuring out who she was and what she valued. And she's like, and it was so great and it helped me realize who I really am. And she's describing how great it made her feel. And I said, so do you realize you just created boundaries? boundaries. And she was like, oh, yes. like it, 
describing it the opposite way, it totally blew her mind. Like I just did. That's the hardest what thing. boundaries are. <laughs> yes. and, and boundaries are knowing who you are and standing in those truths. So, okay. Another thing my wife could do is she could say, you want to paint it blue? Tough. I'm doing it pink. Like it is pink and I don't care one bit that you want to paint it blue. And then she pulls out the paintbrush and she paints it pink. Is that? That's independence. Yeah, huh? that that is independence. <laughs> like so, I'm going to paint this independent of what you want. Independent of what you want. And I'm not going to care about you at all. Um, that's not love. So, but in some, in some respects, it sounds like what we've been talking about. Hey, be you. Be just, strong. Just be strong and be you. But that's not love. Another, there, here's another part of, of my wife that I know, and, and this, this has just been an example, but this one's reality. My wife does, does care about me, and so her truth is, I want to paint it pink, and I care about you. Like, I, I really genuinely care about you. Um, I don't want to just comply and paint it blue because, because then we can avoid the conflict, because that's her caring more about her. But if she's saying, you know what, like... I, I hear you. I want to validate. I want to empathize. I want to understand why you want it blue. And then I'm going to be honest with you about why I want it pink. And let's say we paint it half blue and half pink. <laughs> or how about white? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or we just paint it a totally different color. Um, but but if we, if we, if we, let's say we end up painting it blue, she, at that point, if she's healthy and she's loving me, then we're painting it blue because she's choosing in to paint it blue. She's not being forced. She she has understood me. Her, she's I've influenced her perspective on it, and now she's saying yes. I'm I'm happy with blue. Let's do this. So I think a key word, you're saying she he, he influenced you influenced her, not manipulated. Absolutely. Because this can be tricky when you're coming off of this is what our relationship has been is I've been manipulated into these things well, and, because and, I didn't know who I was. And if you've been manipulated over and over and over again without boundaries, then when, when you start to realize, oh my gosh, I've been manipulated a ton, you're going to dig your heels in and you're not going to want to be in, influenced or hear the other person. And I think that's where I went. So it was, I went from a, a deep codependency that I cared. How, I mean, this is why I didn't feel enough only when it came to Kobe. Everywhere else in my life, I was rocking. I was happy. I was right. proud. But when it came to Kobe, he it mattered so much that it affected who I was, his yeah. opinion of me. Yeah. Okay. So the codependency was strong. And when we started to figure out like, okay, no, I went totally opposite. And I remember my, our Independency. Yeah. Mm, right? I remember Amy saying like, no, the goal is like in between that. It's not to be this strong, I hate you and I'm a man hater now because you hurt me. It's let's find a middle. and <laughs> But but to stand in that middle ground takes strength. So the, the independency is a way to disconnect and protect. The codependency is a way to overconnect and try to control and, and feel safe in that. And, and that codependency actually creates unsafety in a relationship. So if you're if you're interdependent, you're in the middle, you know who you are, you can stand on your own two feet, therefore you can then see the other person, you can see their pain, you're not taking it personally because you know who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's when it, it's it you know it's the old you know saying that we hear all the time, you you can't truly love somebody unless you love yourself. Yeah. And your ability to love them is 
directly correlated to how much you know yourself and love yourself. Um, so that that is the key to actually loving somebody. So the paradox is this, is um, you don't go to your spouse to get your strength. You go to your spouse to offer it. So you go somewhere else to get your strength. And, and you go to God um, you, within yourself. You find that strength. And once you have that, then if the other person's spinning out of control or crazy or doing whatever, you can still see them through the eyes of love because you'll be boundaried. Mm -hmm. um, you'll know who you are and you'll know that you have a secure place to land and then you can truly love the person. Okay, so for this right here, you hear that all the time as far as you got to love yourself before you can love others. And that really didn't speak to me until it did, until I it hit my head like this is your problem, Ashlyn. This, you cannot feel enough. You cannot feel any of these things until you decide. Right. Right. It, it couldn't be Kobe who said, hey, just so you're aware, you are enough. He would tell me that once he started to get into a healthier place. But I'm like, it didn't do anything for me. It, it does. It, it doesn't. You to. have to find it within. Yes. Yes. And I'll say this. Um, I use this little um, visual for a couple different parts of re relationship and healing that. But I've had to visually look at I have these walls up. OK, so I went from codependency to very independent. And I had these mm -hmm. walls of like, I'm protected. And these are, these are my boundaries. These are my healthy boundaries. Right. And they, they just created a lot of independence. Right. And so Amy would tell me, Hey, you have this door. You might have these walls, but you have a door and the door opens and closes. Mm -hmm. So at least pop your head through. Yeah. Test the waters, try to look, try to be in there and try to find some connection and you can shut it. But eventually that wall has to come down brick by brick, but it's hard to just knock it down, right? And so for me, that door was like, okay, here's a couple more bricks I'm going to take off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put forth some effort. I'm going to show up for Kobe. But, but here's the thing, Ashton, in this analogy, you know, I guess what would be healthy is to replace that wall with a fence, a fence that you can see through. So you still know who you are. You still have your borders and your boundaries, but you can see him on the other side. Right. You, you still, you, you, and you can see where he's at and how he's doing, and but you're still protected. And then you'll have a gate that you can let him in when you want. And you can close it when you want. Yeah, like that. Not just a wall where you just, Can't I'm not going to see, see you at all. Yeah. And, and and if you have no fence, then it's just. Back to codependency. Yeah, then it's <laughs> like, oh, I don't know who I am. And I'm just getting consumed and taken advantage of by this other person. So. It's super interesting because. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think the the big, I, I can just think back to years and years and years of this paradox that I was in of resenting and being frustrated and being mad and angry. And I think the anger would come over time of having resentments. Um, and, um, but yet at the same time, I didn't know who I was, therefore I didn't know what I wanted. If, if you have resentment, then you lack boundaries. No question. And it's just obvious that that, that was the case. So what's interesting is, is um, this is one of those, this is one of those things where it's really crazy to understand. Like, it's hard for me to say this out loud just because of what it sounds like. I know for the, for all of you who are listening right now, but um, I'm very, like, I am, of all things, I am super 
super thankful for my road of change because I had to let go of addiction and all the all this all the baggage, all the stuff that went with it, so that I could actually begin at 37 years old, begin to understand who I was. And I am realizing with time that knowing who I am is like <laughs> layers and layers of the onion still. There's still parts of me that I don't I don't I don't know. I don't understand. And but but the cool part is is recovery is a gift that's helped me to um, learn about who I am, understand my identity, right. embrace it, and and also be okay with what it is. And that's a gift of recovery. So am I grateful for addiction? Uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for the road that I've been on and the change that has uh, taken place in my life because now I, I, I know more about who I am now Absolutely. Than, I, than I ever, ever have, and I still got ways to go well you're still figuring out who you are what you like um it's fun to see this in our kids our kids are starting um lucy this week said she normally likes everything all foods there she'll just eat whatever mm -hmm. like put it in front of her and she started not liking things and i'm like wait what's going on why do you not like something and she said i've decided that to help my anxiety i'm going to start making choices of what I actually do like and what I don't like. Oh, okay. And it's totally cute to yeah. see her. Like she's figuring out who she is. Yeah. And Love she, it. it is cute because it took us in our thirties to start doing that. And so what, two years ago, um, I wanted Kobe to start skiing with me because I grew up skiing. So I'm like, okay. Kobe, let's go skiing. So I, we take the girls and this was our day date every Thursday. So this year comes around. Hey, Kobe, are we going to go get ski passes again? And he says, no. I actually don't like to ski. No. And I was... Honesty. What do you know? I know. What do you know? But I was super sad. Like, well, this was our thing that we did every Thursday. But I thought, you know what? It's okay. And so yesterday I told him like, hey, I'm going skiing today. I totally miss you when I'm up there. But that's awesome. okay. That's so good. Yeah. You can be comfortable with the, with the other person being uncomfortable. So... And, and that was actually... That would have never been okay with me. The discomfort of knowing that you wanted me to be there and I wasn't would have, I would have shamed myself into going. Well, I think you did for that whole totally. season. You're like, I hate this. I hate this, but totally. I'll go. And Ashlyn gets just as excited about skiing as she does about roller skating. <laughs> They're nostalgic things. That's why. Yeah. But the, but the, but the truth is, is like, that is very, very challenge. That was challenging for me until finally I was just like, no, like yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. And I'm going to be okay with you wanting me there and me not being there. Like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, like yesterday, actually, <laughs> like this is another part of, this is another part of being, being in the middle where you can accept the relationship and where you are, right? Um, yesterday, Ashlyn came home from skiing actually with the girls. And I had a really long day, kind of a long week. And I just laid on the couch and just like, watched the great British Bake Off with Tiku on my lap <laughs> okay. and uh, and just was like decompressing, right? Just doing a little self-care. I really enjoy that. And Ashlyn came home and I hadn't made any dinner. And she's like, what the heck? I, I, am, I just do not like at all that you didn't do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with the fact that you don't like <laughs> the fact that I didn't make dinner. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm totally good with that. Yeah. And then 
we took care of things and it was like the easiest argument ever. Well, and, and, <laughs> and, and really you can connect to her in that emotion and be okay with it. So you can empathize. Yeah. You can understand why. She, yeah. He's like, you're tired and, and you can, been you can feel loved even though you're a little bit bothered that he didn't make dinner for yeah. sure. Right? I just showed up mad. So yeah. I did really good. Yeah. Job. But, but I think what's the, the key part for me, that where's my like, dinner? I, I know, was right? angry. <laughs> she was angry, but, and but, you're, and you're watching a baking show. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. Let me come in and like add insult to injury. Right. But, but the key, the key piece for me, okay. On this to be, to go from codependent where I give, you know, power to Ashlyn to determine how I feel and what I do. Um, from going from codependency to being interdependent, like I'm, I'm inside of me, I'm, I'm, I'm independent of where Ashlyn is, but I'm not inter, I'm interdependent. Is that I was okay with it, and I didn't let that shame overwhelm me. I, I was okay sitting in discomfort, and I think for so many years, my codependency didn't allow me to sit in discomfort. Stop, you cared what I thought. Stop consuming your spouse and start loving them. And, you know, we, we often talk about um, codependency being the, the wife is codependent to the sex addict husband. And that's not, that's not the case. In fact, um, I, I'd say a symptom of sex addiction is codependency. Totally. Uh, because a sex addict is consuming women for their validation and for their worth and they so they consume women sexually but they also consume their spouses emotionally spiritually um and and otherwise for their self-worth that was exactly me what you just described yeah and so so the sex addicts are just as much or more codependent than than the spouses that yep. it's not a one or the other right um you guys grab your barf bags like, because <laughs> this makes me barf Okay. Okay. Um, we have white eyes. This is right. This is right before Valentine's Day. Okay. You complete me. Oh yes. You complete me. What? What? That? That is. You know what? Go complete your freaking self first, and then go love your your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Go actually love them. That is super funny. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole thing of, oh my gosh. It's it's kind of a bitter pill this whole this whole discussion and topic for me, because I know how how long how many years I wasted not knowing who I was, and it also is like bitter to me too because, I mean I'm 41 I'm gonna be 42 in May, and my mom was 56 when she died and she never got to the point where she could learn this principle to define herself by what she liked and to be interdependent rather than codependent. And uh, those are just one of those things that's just like, this is a bitter pill. But I guess, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. But the good news is, is... Um, well, well, here's another th- th- point from that, which is if, if you've been codependent and you've used the other person to, to feel okay and you've avoided conflict or you haven't been boundaried... Um, it is to, to shift into interdependency is going to be uncomfortable and it's going to take courage um, to sit in. Oh my gosh, they're, they don't like what I just said, but I'm being honest. Um, and to just be okay with that, to be boundaried is, is a process of, of practicing courage consistently mm-hmm. so that you then realize, Oh my gosh, I can be me and I can still be loved. And if you have these faulty core beliefs underneath, your codependency, things like nobody will love me as I am, I'm not enough, 
um, you know, I get my worth from others, things like that, then, then you're going to have to face those things directly and, and n- not just know that they're there, but practice stepping against them in order to shift out of this codependency. And it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, hard. it's hard. And it's easier to stay in what you're comfortable with, even though what you're comfortable with might be just creating tons of resentment and feelings of disconnection in your marriage. So, so step into the discomfort to get out of the suffering um, and you can shift into, into interdependency. This is one of those things that's, that mirrors recovery exactly. It was more painful, it was more exhausting, it was more challenging and draining to be an addiction than it was to work recovery. When you got to your rock bottom with your codependency, that's when you started to have the courage to be interdependent. Yes, that's- and and it's the same thing. It's like it's so much more challenging and draining and exhausting and taxing to be codependent than it is to endure the discomfort, the 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 the, the short term discomfort of interdependence. A lot of people would would disagree with you, and they'd say. I want to just stay stuck in my codependency because that's what's comfortable. Like yeah. they hate it, but it's but it's known and it's comfortable, yep. and it's hard to be able to be stretched from the insides. So, but that's I promise. I'm still working on this myself. I really, really am. But every night when I check in, I always I always <laughs> define if I felt the pull of codependency with Ashlyn and with the girls, and if I gave into codependency with Ashlyn and with the girls. And that's helped in a huge way to be able to sit in the discomfort of um, interdependence. And I'm more that way than I've than and I've ever, you've been. ever been, for sure. At least in those two roles, right? <laughs> so okay, so um, I have to ask one more question, okay? Because I'm sure there's people asking. Okay, so we answered the question of how to master connection by saying, okay, find your interdependence, right. figure out who you are. But what does that even look like? I get this question a lot. Like, well, how did you do this? And for me, it's not one thing. It it was lots of things. Right. So so, and that's a huge question. Um, so it's your self care. What what resonates with you? Um, who 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 are you? Um, what do you what do you really value? What do you feel peace about? Um, start to check those things out. What's that feeling that you get maybe in your in your throat or your gut that's just like, oh, I'm doing this thing and I hate it? And, and when you notice that, notice what boundary you're giving up. Um, so practice self-care consistently. The, the, the second thing is um, I'm a big believer in God, and, and that's where I think you find it. And if you don't take the, the space to just stop, and let God come in and validate you and see you and nurture you and show you who you are, you're going to have a hard time figuring out who you are. And you're going to make your spouse your God or your work your God or something else that, that you're trying to get that validation from. So just stop for a minute and, and listen and see God all around you um, telling you who you are and validating you and showing you who you are. Um, so as you do your self-care, as you resonate with God, as you, as you meditate, as you pray, um, and, then at, and then the third thing I would say is to actually test it out and try some courage. So when you do something a little bit out there or scary, if you feel that there, there, there's this feeling or sense of empowerment that's just like, oh, like I did it, that feels good, I like that, then take note of that and um, do it again. 
and, and, and watch yourself step into who you actually are. And you'll start to gain confidence as you do it consistently. And it won't be as scary um, the, the more you do it. So That's did, awesome. did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's, it's a, a rising strong um, moment for me is what I think of when you say those things of, of deciding I want something more for me. So go be life. vulnerable yeah. and, and, and see who you actually are. Yep. Yeah. And it's okay. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can still figure out who you are. Absolutely. Well, this has spurred a lot of thoughts, probably a lot of questions, uh, additional questions in my head that I'm going to be stewing on. So um, I'm sure that many of you have got questions on like how to do this. What does this look like? What about my situation? Um, here's what's cool is today we're going to have a Q&A on our premium site. And the people who are there with us have like special access to a monthly Q&A where we, they submit questions and we answer them specifically. We get to interact and so forth. Like they want specific answers to their story because yep. all of our stories are so different. Totally. All, all of the stories are different. So we're not just going to answer questions on, I'm sure there's going to be some related to codependency, but all kinds of recovery and all kinds of situations. And um, if you're not there, we want to invite you to come over because we want a chance to interact with you. We appreciate you guys listening. It's super valuable for us. We love it. And, um, but also know that not every question, I'm sure the questions that are thought of oftentimes go unanswered, but just know that you have an ability to access us and well, get questions and, and answered. And the premium site, premium sounds expensive, but it is anything but expensive. It's so cheap. Totally. So, so you get more access to, to answers and connection and, um, yeah, it's awesome. It'll be great. So guys, thanks for being here. Appreciate what you've heard. If you like anything that, uh, that, that you've heard today then go ahead and share us and love to have you rate and review us over on iTunes. See you guys. See ya.